Welcome to Sex Unshackled. I am Becky Krepsley Fox, and this podcast is where sexuality and spirituality meet. Today on Sex Unshackled, I have Fran Bush with me. Fran is an award-winning comedian, writer, and performer. She has had sold-out runs of her multi-award winning show, Ad Libido, and wrote The Diary of My Broken Vagina for Channel 4 Comedy in 2019. Fran has spoken with BBC's Women's Hour and has won the Performer of the Year at the Sexual Freedom Awards. I am absolutely delighted to have Fran with me today. Fran, could you please tell the listeners some more about you and your journey so far? Sure. Hello. Hey. <laughs> um, I'm Fran. Um, I... For the past four years or so, have been writing about sex and not just sex in general, about when sex is painful or maybe doesn't feel the way that you think it should feel, or when you don't really fancy sex at all and you're like, I don't know, I don't know how to change this. How am I how am I going to want to have sex um, and I was writing about it because I hadn't seen anyone uh, talk about it in a way that felt funny because sex is hilarious and often we take it way too seriously um, and so I it was sort of a, a dual mission because I was talking about sex as a performer and a writer but I was also really trying to fix my own sex life and learn a bit more about what I liked because at 30 I just had absolutely no idea. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of people can really resonate with that and that's what I see in my practice a lot of the time people are like I just don't know what to do I don't know where to access information I don't know how to change these things that I want to change to do with my sex life um, and people just feel lost and I think it is this culture especially in the UK of us not wanting to talk about it right it's this stiff upper lip type situation where sex is just not something that gets spoken about so if people have sexual difficulties then that's even more you know some people don't even like to talk to their doctor or they get embarrassed going to their GP oh yeah I mean I I didn't speak about this with anyone for years and years I did go to the doctors um but I would have to like really work myself up to say the word vagina right because I was like I'll get there I'll panic I'll get flustered and I'll suddenly just be like I've got a veruca (laughs) because that feels like a bit more like that feels less embarrassing than going and being like actually vagina um and uh, yeah so I'd have to really work myself up and actually when I went to the doctors um I didn't feel very supported or listened to um I had doctors say things like just have a glass of wine to loosen yourself up a bit or uh go out there and have more sex which is a really it feels like a real like jock attitude <laughs> the problem. and didn't didn't help no <laughs> Um, and I also, yeah, I didn't even speak to friends about it, which looking back is really sad, but I had this idea that everyone was having amazing, incredible sex, right? Cause that's the only bit of sex 
people talk about they're like oh we were doing it all night long I can barely walk today because of how much sex I had last night um and they don't tell you about when it's painful or when it's boring or when they haven't had it for ages that's not the side of it you see and then you're also you're comparing yourself to what you see on like television right and in films and in even in books I was a big reader growing up um and I loved uh, a sexy chapter of a book but you don't hear about like what happens if halfway through sex you're like actually this isn't working for me how do I communicate this um we read and we see sex that looks like uh, everyone is lightly sweaty but not too sweaty uh everyone comes at exactly the same time um looking directly into each other's eyes and it takes about 15 seconds I'd say like three three bangs (laughs) yeah and everyone comes yeah at the same time exactly timed (laughs) absolutely like to the second um and then before you know it she's wearing his shirt when did they do that (laughs) no one's gone for a wee post-sex um there's no sticky puddle in the middle of the bed so like I was already comparing my sex life to what I was seeing around me and feeling like actually I I must be less right my my body must not work um whereas I think in reality I just hadn't actually spent any time getting to know it and I had a really narrow idea of what sex was um I was quite romantic (laughs) I guess in my view of sex which was just really unhealthy like I had this I think I very much thought that sex was only penetrative. Penetrative? <laughs> There's a lot of T's in that word. They, they're actually silent. <laughs> Mostly. Most of the time. Penetrative. I must have said that word. I've said that word so many times. <laughs> that is the first time I've pronounced all of its T's properly. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I thought that that's all sex was um and I had it in my head as almost like a sort of sword in the stone um to penetrate me type affair um and I think that really held me back because when I found penetrative sex painful I was like well that's it that must be it for me my my sex days are over <laughs> and I guess maybe I'm just not I used to say to myself I guess maybe I'm just not meant to have sex maybe it's not for me yeah and you've been on a huge journey right of trying lots of different avenues um to see what can really work for you and your vagina and your sexuality mm. where, where are you at now Yeah, it's interesting because I feel, I guess when I talk about being on a journey, people expect me to have arrived at a sort of an end point. And I'm like, ah, I have completed sex. Uh, (laughs) Here are my notes. They're available in Waterstones. Or like, I 
I have understood all of the facets of sex and I am now very wise about it. Um, I could lead some kind of night school, but really I have, you know, still no idea. Like I'm, I'm not in any way uh, like medically trained or uh, I have no certificates in this. I'm just an idiot <laughs> who was like, I want to enjoy this and I don't know why I'm not. Um, so I guess like I just really was like, I'm not going, I'm not gonna put up with this anymore because I think for so long, I just became a bit absent during sex. I was very much doing it for the other person. They became really central to, um, to my sex life. So I was like, actually if they're, as long as they're having a good time, then I'm having a good time. And actually, uh, surely that's satisfying enough. Look at them have a nice time. And I, I can sit here and think about my to-do list for tomorrow. Um, <laughs> this just meant I was like hugely disconnected from my own body. Yeah. Um, so I, I was either like intensely micromanaging the sex <laughs> being like okay well that seems to be working they're enjoying this this is good okay great more of that um or the other way where I just my brain wasn't in the room at all um but my in my journey I guess involved learning to communicate um exactly what was going on for me um and tell the, the truth about it because I had been lying for so long or not. I mean, I don't know if I consider it lying, but I guess I was trying to protect everyone's feelings because when I was honest about sex with partners, they often took it as a personal failing. They're like, oh, oh, it's my penis. It's my penis. There can be nothing else wrong what's you know please tell me what's wrong with my penis and like no no it's not it's not you <laughs> it's not your penis um but then it would feel like I was a like a puzzle that they had to fix and they'd be like right okay how do we get this working how do we get this engine <laughs> back on the road um and my body is not a car it's not a car um so I yeah I tried being really honest I, I tried like making sure that anytime I felt like I was going to start faking enjoyment that I stopped myself I bought myself a yoni egg um which got uh, stuck in my vagina um <laughs> yeah yeah I think I, yeah I, I haven't used it since um, no I'm not surprised <laughs> <laughs> it was a real panic but I um I googled it, it happens to loads of people um, really I haven't heard that before yeah so I, obviously they can't they can't go anywhere because the vagina is a cul-de-sac but um I I put some floss like my little bit of dental floss in the end that's got the hole so like yeah. so I could pull it out 
And then I woke up because uh, I wore it overnight. I woke up the next morning and the floss had become detached and the, the egg had traveled up my vagina. Um, oh. So I unfortunately did not experience the healing powers <laughs> of the only egg. And actually like there's, there's a lot of research about whether or not they're good for your pelvic floor yeah. um, and whether you can get um, different kinds of bacteria on them because they are porous. Yeah. So I hadn't read any of I think it was the wonderful Jen Gunter's research about yoni yeah. eggs. I was just like, internet, give me solutions for my vagina. Um, and that was one of the first ones I stumbled on and was delivered to me by Amazon Prime. So it was probably like, yoni egg light um <laughs> and but yeah uh, do your do your research um that's uh, it I think I really came to the idea of yoni egg from two conflicting point of views because mm -hmm. my study and my qualifications are in like clinical sexology so scientifically based facts but then I also have this interest and passion from tantra and tantric teachings and all the tantra folk are like yeah yoni eggs and all the sexology folk are like mm, no not really and my decision is no thank you to yoni eggs and mm -hmm. you know I don't I don't think it's particularly necessary we can get good pelvic tone good pelvic activation just by engaging and releasing those muscles we don't need to be inserting anything in there to add any more weight or any more load um, I would say to the listeners if you have one and you love it and it works for you great keep on going um, but if you are new to it and you've been considering buying one then do exactly what Fran suggested and just do your research decide if that is something in which you wish to use because there has been research to show that it may not be the best thing for your vagina health. Yeah. Gwyneth got in a lot of trouble uh, yeah. on Google for, for claiming it had all these properties and it just, it, the things she said weren't provable. So she had to refund everyone and got a big fine. Um, but I mean, exactly like you, I, I on a very much smaller scale, <laughs> I'm, I have no, um, <laughs> I have no qualifications in it, but I, I guess like I very much, uh, I'm very logical and I as in like I, I want the science I want the facts around it but I have this real hunger for the more holistic approach to sex because um, I see a lot of like promise there because our sex education is so bad and so limited and um, doctors don't really feel like it's their responsibility to help you with anything sexual um, and so where do you go, right? Where do you go if your textbooks, if your sex education, if the magazines you're reading, um, if the doctor who you've asked about why sex is painful, if they are all coming up with nothing, like it, you can feel incredibly alone. So I ended up going to what I call sex camp, um, but was actually a, like a, a conscious sexuality festival. Um, but I call it sex camp because that's what it was for me. I got to a point where I was like, actually, the traditional things are not working for me. Um, and so I set off on my own with a, a backpack. I had a box of unopened condoms in it. 
I was like, I am, ooh, okay, we're gonna, I need some like outside help and I need to be in a room where I can say this and I won't feel like a weirdo and I won't feel completely broken. Um, and so I arrived and like there, there's so much about my experience at sex camp that was just absolutely brilliant. Um, I came away with a real understanding that sex wasn't just penetration because penetration at this sex camp was completely banned. Um, and what that meant was everyone there was searching for, I guess like the, the enjoyment of sex, but just without the act that I had pinned it to for so many years. Um, I learned to slow down. Um, I think I always used to just like rush straight to the, what I considered the main act of sex, right? And there, like people were looking in each other's eyes for half an hour, and that was it and then that was their their connection time done and they or they'd just go and sit naked in a hot sauna or they just lie in the grass um and I guess I I learned how expansive that ideal of sex can be um in terms of just being like oh okay it's not just like a hole in the goal <laughs> it's it's just touch and it's being present with someone and it's breathing. And again, like the side of my brain that's like, give me facts is like, this isn't sex. This is so far from sex. Um, and yeah, I, I guess I learned a lot about consent as well. And I think I had always, my consent education was based in fear was based in the idea of don't get yourself into trouble. No nice girls get themselves into trouble. Be clear with him. Like always that kind of idea of like, they're the predators. Don't let yourself be a victim. Tie your hair up. Um, don't dress like that. Um, and so all of my idea of consent was about the idea of being able to say a really clear no. And this, the consent education at sex camp was also about being able to say a really clear yes, like being able to say no to things that I really didn't want to do and yes to things that I did want to do. Um, and it was really interesting for me because I think for years I had been going along with sex. I had just been like, okay, this is... I guess this is what sex is. And because we're in a relationship, I guess this is what we do. But there have been so many times where I was like, we have to have sex to keep the peace in this relationship, or we have to have sex because we haven't had it in a while, or we have to have sex um, because I need to be sure that you like me. And so actually like that feeling of wanting to have it for myself, like that was a really quiet voice in my life. Um, and so this really helped me, these consent classes at sex camp, because 
I, for the first time, thought about what I would like to receive and what I would like to do, um, which were things that I just hadn't thought about at all before. Um, the, and, and like to the extent that, I mean, this was all on a really like micro scale. We weren't all like banging against the walls or anything. It was very much like, I would like you to touch my hand. I would like yeah. you to stroke my hair. Like that sort, sort of level. We're not all lubed up from head to foot. <laughs> writhing um but I think being able to practice that in a space like in a, a a space that felt pretty safe um a lot of the time um was really powerful because I just had never done it before um but it's interesting like I had a real I had a really great time um but I also feel then that the rational side of my brain is like, you should never have had to have gone to this sex camp. Cause there were also like a lot of times when I felt very vulnerable um, and I felt like a bit lost there and it made, made me worry about like the lengths people will go to, to, to chase that sex dream. Right. Um, like a lot of the things I, researched on the internet before going to sex camp you could buy all these supplements or all of these scary vagina tightening gels that seem to have the active ingredient as um talcum powder and uh you're just like I I get it though I get um why people go to these lengths because they're like well I don't know how to speak about this. I don't know who to speak about this with. The internet is lovely and anonymous. I'll ask Jeeves. Jeeves will sort me out. Um, and so all the time that I was at sex camp, I was like, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have had to do this. I should have been told that penetration is one really small part of sex. Um, and I think it's really probable that when I was a teenager, I had vaginismus, which is the like, involuntary contraction of the vagina. Um, and I, I guess if I had known that penetrative sex wasn't everything, I probably would have been able to deal with that a lot better because what happened was I would try and have sex with my boyfriend at the time. And uh, like, he would, he'd come towards me. He wouldn't be able to get his penis in. I'd get angry and upset. I'd feel like my body was broken um, or would be able to get it in a bit, but it would be very painful. I would really, I mean, I struggled to orgasm for years and years and years. Um, then because it had been a bit of an unsatisfying experience I wouldn't want it next time and so it just became this real unbreakable cycle um so if yeah I think if I'd have been like oh actually it doesn't have to be penetrative like it it doesn't um it's a nice part of the available buffet um but it doesn't it's not the main thing and it doesn't have to be the main thing um so 
<laughs> to answer your question that I have gone a really <laughs> long way around where, where I am now, um, <laughs> it's just not linear at all. Um, I think like, I, I guess like, I'm like, oh, I'm, I actually feel like I don't know all the stuff, but I have so much more information and I understand my body so much more. Um, I have a, a day-to-day, a really high level of anxiety and that directly impacts on my wanting to have sex, my feeling like I can connect with my body. Um, I, but now I guess what I've learned is I guess a kindness to myself and a gentleness to myself because um, I used to get so upset and really beat myself up if I wasn't able to have sex. I felt like I'd failed myself. I felt like I'd failed my partner. Um, I was worried that they would leave me for someone with a more roomy vagina, which I think I just thought was everyone with a vagina. So I think I was like quite jealous and possessive as well because I wanted to be able to offer this <laughs> roomy experience and I just I just couldn't. Um, so being able to talk about it is just a really huge thing. I mean, in some ways I find it easier to talk about on a podcast or on stage or in a book than with a partner because mm-hmm. that is always just the, the hardest thing and yeah sex can be bound up with so many emotions that are actually nothing to do with you they're all to do with like past experiences or pride or love or um an, an insecurity so uh, yeah being like being able to have a, a conversation with a partner and it not be about those things not be about like oh if if she says this it means I am this mm. um so yeah. I think I think I am in a a much better place but I, I think that that doesn't what I think is really important is that that doesn't mean that sex is like perfect every time or that sex is never painful or that I don't find sex and intimacy difficult they are always going to be the case those things are always going to exist in everyone's life and actually like that's just so normal it's so normal and we don't we don't talk about it um but I now feel like I have the tools a bit more to navigate those experiences and those emotions And I hope like, because I mean, we talk, we talk quite a bit about like erectile dysfunction, right? That as a conversation yeah, is audible in the world. It's still absolutely the butt of a joke. It's yeah, still exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. still clouded in shame, but actually, so it's a, it's a, it's a weird one. I think from the people I've spoken to who have gone to their doctors about it, they do feel more listened to, but um, they're also much more like, much more, much more less likely. Yeah, why not? We'll go with that. <laughs> Great sentence structure. Um, they're much more, much more less likely to go to a doctor to to share that, um, and they still there's this real feeling of failure and 
and embarrassment around that. Um, but the, but the conversation is, is audible. That is happening. And I see big posters on the tube for, um, for help with erectile dysfunction. Um, but there's nothing like that. If you have a vagina, there's, there's lots of adverts for, oh, use this feminine wipe. Um, make it smell yeah. like flowers. Yeah, zesty ocean spray vagina. Um, but so there's lots of there's lots of information around correcting your vagina, correcting its smell, correcting its appearance, making it appear perfect, right? Um, but there's nothing for you if you feel like there is something wrong something happening that maybe shouldn't be happening with your vagina because it's really important to remember that like it's really hard to measure these things um so the the acronym that came up when I was researching what was going on with me it was female sexual dysfunction which is you know the sexiest of <laughs> of acronyms it's oh it's so hot School FSD, oh baby, um, and that covers like as an umbrella term that covers pain, that covers 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 difficulty orgasming, uh, and it covers if you feel like your libido isn't where you would like it to be. But like one person's wanting sex all the time is one person's. I'm just going to go and have a nap. Is one person's highly energetic big day um is one person's rainy afternoon you know like there's there's no level at which we should be having sex there's no correct amount of times there's no correct duration of sexual experience um and the minute we put those shoulds on things we should be doing this we should be doing that actually it's just not helpful at yeah. all because we've got a bar to measure ourselves against um the so when it becomes a problem is when it's causing someone distress that's the the caveat that goes in there that's like okay you you feel like you are not orgasming enough is it causing you distress but then that's even that I think is difficult because is it causing you distress because someone's telling you you should be having more? Is it because you yeah. feel like there's societal pressure or your partner wants more? Or is it actually causing you personally distress because you want more of it? And I think that's the problem because people can get confused as to where the ideas come from about their own sexuality. And I see this in my practice a lot where um, people come through the door and I'm like, so what actually is the issue? you know, are you wanting to have more sex? Are you wanting to have that type of sex that you're finding difficult? And, you know, sometimes they're like, yeah, I am. But sometimes they're like, hmm, no, not really. I'm like, there's no problem then. <laughs> there's no problem then. And I think just circling back to, yeah, no, carry on. Yeah, I'm going to circle back afterwards. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, yeah, I, you're completely right. It's that feeling you are often made to feel like you are deficient. Um. I guess the the only the only sort of odd one out there is pain. Like yeah, you know, 
sex shouldn't be painful and that is definitely something that needs investigating and whilst I had not very desirable experiences with doctors um if if anyone is experiencing pain it is really important to get that checked out because there can be a whole number of reasons why someone is experiencing pain during sex like it can it can be as simple as you've been taking hay fever medication and that has changed your natural lubrication so sex is more painful and actually you just need to use more lubricant which we should all enjoy doing anyway because yes. lubricant I I mean I think I feel like I should just be a salesperson for lubricant <laughs> I'm like I've cre- created this body of work and it's very deep and it's very profound oh, it's full of poetic beauty but everyone just buy some lube <laughs> it's so true so true is what I tell everyone are you using lube use more of it do it every day every time you need to use that lube because I think we have this idea that lube is something for potentially like later in life drilled into us when we are young and I'm not I'm not sure exactly where that comes from but certainly I always used to think that lube was something for if I wasn't working for yeah. if my body wasn't being an, a natural spring of um moisture um and now I'm like oh god you, you know you never you'd never have a really nice sponge cake without a lovely custard or jam sauce right you need <laughs> you need to have that lubrication with it and so the more the more we can feel like it's just normal it, and it's fun mm-hmm. and it's better yeah. Then, then great. So there's a couple of more things I want to ask you. We are running out of time, so I'm just going to quickly get them in there before we finish. Um, so just circling back to what you were talking about, about the fact that penetration was kind of at the top of your hierarchy, mm-hmm. and then going a little bit further back to when you were saying that often partners are feeling like if you can't climax or if there is pain, that they are doing something wrong. And I think this myth of putting PIV, penis in vagina simulation is at the top of the hierarchy. This is perpetuating it even more because then the partners are thinking, I have to be having sex in this way. Um, they're not enjoying it. They're feeling pain. Pain is all down to me. When actually, if we start to debunk the myth that penetration is right at the top and actually we can have this buffet of different sexual dishes, then there is more choice. And that kind of takes the pressure off them as well. And I'm also really interested in this consent you were talking about. And earlier on the kind of what you called lying and then changed your mind about you know, how you were feeling about your sexual experience and not being honest with other people and honoring yourself. And I'm wondering if when you learn to have consent sexually, if this had a knock on effect to the rest of your life and be able to kind of ask for what you want. And similarly, if when you were kind of lying to yourself in the bedroom and not putting yourself first, if when that changed, that had a knock-on effect to other areas of your life too. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think it's all connected, isn't it? Um, I I think I struggle to advocate for myself in life. Like, I think I just 
have always uh, the, the horrible term of, of people pleaser you know that's that's the the label that could get put on it um yeah. actually I'm just I just want everyone to be happy um <laughs> uh, but often at the expense of myself not in a in a way that I'm going without massively but um I guess just yeah checking that other people are happy first so I think yes definitely there were big changes um and I think actually a, a teenager if I'd been taught to advocate for myself in other areas if I had been taught that you know my body was mine and I could make decisions about it then I would have been so much more confident going into any kind of sexual experience knowing that I had a right to have a nice time Mm. um because I didn't even know sex was meant for me like I thought that we were sort of there to be enjoyed you know as women we are there for to provide um someone with pleasure and I had no idea that I was allowed to ask for what I wanted I had no idea that I could even once I'd said what I wanted that I could change my mind um so definitely I think it it works both ways the when I'm feeling confident in that outside of the bedroom world and you know that that means in relationships as well like if things are if I feel like this is someone that I can speak honestly to about the fact that they are keeping me awake with snoring or they um, are, I, I'm finding it difficult that this is happening or, you know, like if it's someone who I feel I can be uh, emotionally honest and emotionally vulnerable with, but clear and um, not afraid to broach those subjects that could be difficult, that could relate, like could end in a, a conflict. Um, then in the bedroom, I'm much, I find it much easier to advocate for myself um yeah I think it's all I linked think, yeah well I, I I guess once I once I'd learned that I looked back over all of the experiences that I had and I was like why why did I let that happen like why didn't I like I remember times when someone had said oh do you want to stay the night and I hadn't wanted to stay the night but it felt impolite mm-hmm to say that um and now now I know that actually I can say oh no thanks and they can be upset and angry if they'd like to be but actually that's not my responsibility um because I think otherwise you just end up like emptying yourself I I, that's what it felt like to me I felt like I was always emptying myself and never filling myself back up because I was never doing things for myself it's always for other people yeah I really get that and I'm wondering if we could finish by you just telling the listeners one thing that has really helped you and if people are experiencing these difficulties that it might help them as well yeah I'm, I mean lube is the main thing yeah um, <laughs> definitely the main thing um but also I think just not to beat yourself up if it isn't working, it is totally okay to be like, it's not working right now. Let's go and eat some food. Let's, 
go and have a dance. Dancing is huge for me. Um, dancing is when I feel absolutely most in my body. Uh, and, you know, so I'll put some little mix on and come and have a dance in the living room. And then I'm, it might bring us back to sex. Yeah. It doesn't always. But rather than, there were so many times of just sitting in bed, hands on head, this isn't working, this is painful. Um, and sex became a really sad place. Mm. Whereas now I really try and it isn't always possible because I, you know, it, it, it's complicated and hard and I still want to look after everyone's feelings. Um, but being able to say like, okay, it's not working right now. Let's do something, let's do something completely different. Let's leave it, let's go for a walk. Let's come back to it. It, it isn't the be all and end all. Um, and it will still be there for us in half an hour's time. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing so much of you with us today. I'm sure the listeners are going to really resonate with you. And I think it's so important to have someone who's speaking about this stuff from personal experience. I think that that is just huge. And where can the listeners find you? Where can they buy your book? Um, yeah, so I'm on social media at Fran Bush. My bush has an E on the end of it. Mm -hmm. um, and my book, My Broken Vagina, is available pretty much wherever you get your books. Or you could get it as an audiobook and have my dulcet tones telling you about my <laughs> vagina. <laughs> um, but it's a really lovely book. It has uh, illustrations in and... Um, People, people have been saying that it's been really helping them not feel on their own. And that's, that was the point. So that's lovely. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. 